0: Hello. Welcome to Belonging Before Believing, where we are unscrambling eggs. I'm Patrick Mathers, pastor of Sovereign Joy Christian Fellowship. And I'm Brian Gumpy.
1: (laughs) When you said hello, it reminded me of Anchorman. Uh, I'm Ron Burgundy. Hello. Um,
0: I think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Is that what we're doing?
1: If you put a question mark on there, he will read it. <laughs> Good job.
0: There's no cue cards. <laughs> <laughs> Just us talking. And
1: I don't know sign language. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, we'd probably say bad words <laughs> if we were sign language to each other. Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: suggestive. Perhaps. So
0: we're scrambling eggs, Brian. <laughs>
1: Unsc- First of all. Did you say
0: unscrambling? Uh-huh. First <laughs> okay. of all, though, so when people go to Chinese food, like what's your, what's your jam? What do you get at Chinese?
1: Oh, so I've been on this dry braised chicken kick. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you like foil-wrapped chicken, too? Do you like that?
1: Yeah, I don't understand the significance of the foil, <laughs> It, it When you unwrap it, it seems like it's just normal chicken it,
0: It's kind it of like It It's Yeah, it's kind of like uh, one of those cuties Those mandarins It's like oh. way more work than it's actually worth Once you get what's inside Yeah, yeah. Sunflower dry, seed Dry, dry, <laughs> yeah. dry braised chicken, huh?
1: Mm-hmm. From Happy Garden over here oh, no. I know
0: dude, You don't go to Happy Garden, do you?
1: I, only a couple times It's always with friends You know I've
0: been in their kitchen, right? I,
1: you've been in every kitchen, dude
0: Okay, I'm not going to bust your chops, but just I maybe know. you should be wise.
1: Ignorance is bliss.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Okay, and at the end of the day, it doesn't <laughs> matter where you go to get this Chinese food. You're not going to feel great afterwards. The best Chinese kitchens, the cleanest ones, will still make you feel like garbage when you're done.
0: Tong lo does not make me feel like garbage.
1: It's the best one, but I'm still not like ready to do calisthenics when I'm done eating <laughs> tong right. feng lo. Right.
0: Dude, okay, so so I I like egg foo young, and it's weird. I'll be honest, it's yeah. like a scrambled egg shaped like a bowl with gravy on top. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, you you should write the descriptions for Chinese menus.
0: <laughs> They'll just think it got translated,
1: right? So then, <laughs> like it's English. Yeah yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So so I I really like egg foo young. I I don't know why because. I, like, know what it is as I'm eating it. I'm like, oh, this is not great to eat, but yet I love it so much. It's one of them guilty pleasures that I have.
1: Okay, I know you're going somewhere. I
0: totally am, but go ahead.
1: I just, one last thing. So it just reminded me, so when I was in high school Mm -hmm. in Woodland, there was this place called King's Buffet. That
0: sounds so, that's, that sounds like you're going to be hugging your toilet in three hours.
1: Don't get ahead of me. So... (laughs) So every single time you'd have the same experience and we would go there cause it was super cheap and we're high schoolers and whatever. We wouldn't do it very often <laughs> for very good reason. So it's the same cycle. Every time you went to King's buffet, somebody presents the idea we should go to King's buffet. And then you think about it and it sounds good. And you're like, yeah, how come we don't go to King's buffet more often? Uh. And then you go in, it's like right by the mall <laughs> And, you know, you see the seafood. In the
0: old skating rink.
1: Right. You see the seafood and you're like, yeah, I'm not eating seafood from a buffet. And then you get all like the deep fried stuff and you get all the sweet and sour sauce that you can can pour on. there. It's a Chinese buffet. Yeah. Yeah. And then you eat it and it tastes great on the lips. And you're like, yes, this is the best. Why don't we do this more often? And then, like you said, within three hours, you're like, I'm never Going to go to King's Buffet again, bro. You said that last time. I'm serious. I'm never going to King's Buffet again.
0: It's like that scroll that God told John to eat in the Book of Revelation. Yes. It was sweet on his lips and turned foul and bitter in his stomach. Yes. King's Buffet. That's what was written on it.
1: And King's then, Buffet. and then three months later, somebody will say, "Want to go to King's Buffet?" And you're like,
0: "Yeah. Why don't we go there more often? You can eat so much food there." Anyway. Buffets are generally uh, questionable. <laughs> but <laughs>
1: Also, new band name, generally questionable. <laughs>
0: generally questionable. <laughs> sounds like a I've great... I've been on one. a roll with those, huh? Right? So the what I used to say this phrase, and I was so stupid. Well, I still am stupid, but <laughs> and we'll get to that in a minute. But <laughs> I was so stupid. Like when I was a first a Christian... I ch- changed in lots of ways, but there were some ways that I didn't. And I still was very loud and aggressive. And I liked to say, spoke my mind and opinionated, <laughs> when in reality it was just me being just a stupid jerk and you know not, not realizing that I should keep my mouth shut. So my phrase that I used to say is, well, you can't unscramble an egg. So when somebody was like, you know, busting my chops or something, like, "Oh, you're supposed to, you're not supposed to be like that. You're a Christian," and I'd go, "Hey, dude, you can't scramble an egg," and that shut down everything. Like, I never had pushback from that ever. Once I said that, they were like, "Eh, "I guess you're right." Don't you?
1: Don't you ever say that to me?
0: (laughs) So that was my thing. I said that, but it was only it only lasted for like a year because when I went to Bible college. Um, the president of the Bible college taught Ephesians was the first class I took from him. And in like the first week or so, it might've been week two, but I remember him getting up there and him preaching, him bringing it. Like I love Larry Taylor. I, he brought it when he wasn't up there like Bible college professor, he preached every time. And he was up there going for it. And one day he looked out in the audience and he looked kind of in my direction. I felt like at me and I know he had never heard me say the phrase, but he said, not only can God unscramble an egg, but he can make you a chicken again. (laughs) (laughs) As funny as that is, man, that was one of the most convicting things I've ever heard in my life. (laughs)
1: Like God gave him a word. Just for you. Yep,
0: yep. So just just know that God has a word just for you, listener. <laughs> but the reason we're going here is because, because we, we scrambled an egg with one of our episodes, and God, by His grace, is in, in, in the business of unscrambling eggs. <laughs> and don't go
1: looking for it. It's gone now.
0: It's gone now. So we recorded an episode, and uh, it was called Should Women Work? Was that what it was called?
1: Something Why should time, women
0: yeah. work? Should women not work? I I don't remember the exact.
1: Should women work outside of the home? There
0: you go. And while I would say, eighty percent of that podcast was probably really good, and things we would still say. We got towards the end and we got carried away with, um, I don't know. I don't know. Just you know, like like we were talking before the show. That proverb, uh, in the abundance of words, sin is not lacking, is your life verse. Yes, very and much. And one that I am keenly aware of, <laughs> if it's not my life verse. Um, but, but just the, the matter of fact is, is that as we do this kind of show and we talk, that we're going to sin in the things that we say. But one of the things that we want to model, and and hopefully just people who've listened to this understand, is that we also are quick to repent and repentance, in my silly little analogy, is unscrambling the egg. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't always fix everything and make it all back to normal, but it certainly is um, the means by which God has given us to restore relationships, first of all with Him, and then, then with other people.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it was not lost on me at all that the last episode that we had posted— Um, was the Black Lives Matter one where we talk a lot about apologizing and a lot about coming to people humbly humbly, and, you know, and then the next thing we post, I'm like, like, how are we so thick? Anyway. um,
0: That scares me because I preached a a decent sermon tonight. I don't want to preach a stinker next week, so...
1: (laughs) I Lord
0: <laughs> I repent now in advance. I don't think it's
1: causation.
0: <laughs> no, I know it's it not. It's just be a corollary. But see that's the that's part of the sinful part of us is that we think that what we do necessarily brings this outcome about even if they're not correlated. So bring it back to this like I w- w- you know we w- we said some things and what I had in mind in saying those things didn't in my mind, correlate to the way it came out and the way people took it. Now, I know that there was a couple of snarky comments that we said in passing that were offensive and that we had to repent of personally to a few people.
1: Sure. Um, well, and I explained that I am playing devil's advocate a lot on this show, um, trying to come up with questions for you, follow-up questions that you know the original questioner or the listener isn't here to ask you. And, and I just did it in a way that wasn't really appropriate. It made light of something that wasn't something to be made light of. But also, it's not just the things that we did say. Um, it was the things that we didn't say. Um, it was, at best, an incomplete presentation of what is appropriate <clears throat> in regards to whether or not a woman should work outside of the home or not. Um, we kind of championed one side and didn't really address the other, um,
0: which wasn't deliberate. Not at all. But we're but not making excuses either, right? Right. right. Yeah.
1: It was a sin of omission. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely was. Th- but let's talk about repentance because I think this leads into something that that we, especially who love grace and talk a lot about grace, Brian, that we um, might have the tendency to not push as much or not talk about as much. And might leave the implication in people's minds that it's not that big a deal, repentance, because hey, there's grace. Um, Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, one of the very first things that he says in his public ministry is in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. And he said, Repent. That's the first word publicly recorded by him in his, or that he spoke in his ministry. Repent for the kingdom of God. Of heaven is at hand. That word repent is, it, it, it carries with it a lot of, I think, cultural baggage from, you know, uh, fire and brimstone, great awakening kind of preaching, right? Where that's a word that is used to kind of, um, what's that thing that throws rocks at trebuchet? To, to <laughs> fling, fling you know, uh, rocks to destroy the fortresses that people have up in their, with their sin, you know?
1: Patrick Mathers, you're so erudite. <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs> well, I was thinking, you know, people, they, they wear these masks and they put up walls uh, to hide their sin. And that these preachers would use this as like a thing to try to break down these walls and emotionally try to tear people down. And so while it's true that people do need to be called to repent, Jesus used the phrase repent Um, there's a healthy and an unhealthy way to use it. And so for us right now, I want to define the healthy way. I'm not so interested in talking about the unhealthy way. But when Jesus is calling people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he's telling them to turn the other way. And in as simplistic terms as we can, it's repent is making a U-turn, right? I think that's a modern colloquialism that probably everybody who's listening is going to understand is you're going one way down the street you realize that you're going the wrong way, and so you do a U-turn, and you turn the other way. that That's repent. Morally and spiritually speaking, we would be saying that if you're going down one road that is in sin, you're living in sin, you're following after, you know, it, it's sin, that when we call you to repent, we're not saying you're stupid, you're an idiot, you're a fat head, you're... <laughs> You know, I mean, I, I want to...
1: I might say that in in my call for you to repent.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. Okay, touche. <laughs>
1: and then I probably need to repent of that. No, 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 it's, it fits, it fits. But, but
0: what we're not saying is, what we're not doing when we're calling somebody to repent is we're not minimizing who they are in their person. Sure. We're saying that this action that you're doing isn't wise, isn't helpful, isn't spiritually beneficial, and isn't bringing God glory stop doing that, please, and and turn this other direction. And we say that because we know we've been there, we've done it, we've gone there, we can see it. You know, like a good coach can see things that certain people are doing that they don't see themselves, right? Right. So, like, when I played water polo, I had this weird thing with my wrist where I just threw the ball in a way that made it spin just odd. And I was not very good at passing and shooting goals because – of this thing I did with my wrist and I had to be retrained by my coach because he could see it and I couldn't. And he wasn't a jerk for telling me that I was doing it wrong. It was actually helpful in the long run.
1: I would say one area where your analogy, I don't want to say breaks down, but one area that I want to point out, a difference, is that it doesn't have to be an expert to teach us something about how we have an area where we need to repent. Yeah. Um, like your coach, he knew all that stuff because he was great water polo, right. He, he knew the sport really well. He knew all the techniques and everything. Um it could be somebody who's not even a Christian who points out our sin and in a real way shows us that we need to repent,
0: right. Well, in that case, I would say that it's the Holy Spirit. I mean, even well, sure though, I know you're not I know I know that that's I just don't want to make saying. it
1: sound like we're only going to listen when somebody who knows their Bible oh, really yeah. well comes and calls us to repent.
0: No, what what we should do is we should listen whenever the Holy Spirit convicts us. And you're right, that can come through an unbeliever, through an agnostic, through a marginal Christian, somebody who doesn't agree with our particular theological bent and perspective. But when we are in error and we do hear that we're in error, and I think the big thing is that the Holy Spirit convicts us is when that happens, um then what we need to do is repent, turn the other way, right? We need to go the other direction. Now, the Bible does say that repentance is a gift from God. It does say it in several places, and that's a good thing. So what I want to emphasize there is that when somebody does call us to repentance, the knee-jerk reaction is to avoid, to distance ourselves, to, to shy away from, to try to whitewash that tomb, if you will, or fight or fight, um, push back. All of those, all of those things are, our natural knee jerk reaction. But the wise thing to do is to stop, to pray, to consider exactly what's being said and see if there's any validity in it. Because for the most part, I think more highly of myself than I ought to. You think more highly of yourself than you ought to. And, when somebody comes and says something to us that we need to realize, well, that there's, there might be truth to this. You know, I remember Alistair Begg one time, um, getting a a letter from somebody and, and he was worried because he had just preached on something that was very scathing and very, um, in his mind, controversial. And he got a letter back from somebody and all it said was, pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. So with that in mind,
1: he... You guys didn't see my eyes get all but big. But they got big. They <laughs> yeah. got buggy,
0: right? And and rightfully so. If I got a letter like that, I'd be like, ooh. And, and while my first reaction might be, to be like, shut up. Of course you can just quote me passages. The reality is, is I want to stop and consider, okay, I'm not entirely certain what this is getting at. But what I do want to do is I want to be very careful to think this through. And if this is something that I, I am definitely being proud and haughty, I definitely don't want to fall. I don't want my spirit to be destroyed. I, I definitely want to take this to heart, which is the lesson that I learned from that particular preacher, Alistair Begg, is that that we he took it to heart and said, okay. I'm going to believe that there's truth here, Lord. So show me where the truth is. And so when we do things, so for example, we did this episode and we had said some things that were um, insensitive and, and careless and outright hurtful to um, some people. And you know, part of it is, is nobody's heard this episode, like eight people probably have. And so if they have heard it, um, then you're probably aware of what we're talking about. And, if you haven't, that's okay. Understand that we acknowledge that we're wrong. We we heard the um, issues that somebody had. We realized, oh, yeah, this is not the thing. You're right, we completely blew it in the things that we said and the way we treated and handled the issue in, in that time. And that we took the episode off and it's it's gone now. And so we're going to revisit it sometime in the future, but we're going to try to do it in a wise way and in a way that takes in all of that uh, correction that we received.
1: Yeah. And there are a couple of different ways, and this has come up repeatedly in our men's study so far, is there's a couple of different ways of looking at, I guess, the impact that repentance or lack thereof has. Um, one way that we've talked about it is we've gotten the habit of calling it like horizontally, um, the way that it affects our brother or our mm, sister. Yeah. Um, but also, for lack of a <laughs> better phrase, vertically, um, in the way that it impacts our relationship with our Father. Um, in a weird way, in a l- not fun way, when we sin, more often than not, we sin against more than one party. We sin against God in how we're disobedient. And we sin against our brother or our sister in the way that we treat them. Um, And so you can definitely feel the strain that's put on that relationship with your brother or sister. And a lot of the time you can feel the strain that's put on your relationship with God, because you know that you're being disobedient and until it's addressed um, until you acknowledge and repent of that, I, I don't know how to explain it to somebody who hasn't experienced it before. But it could be because it's not as if your position with God has changed. It's not that, you know, now you're in a position where you would be damned, you'd be struck down if you don't, you know, repent right now. Right. Um, but at the same time, just like me and my wife can have a fight and they're strained there, we're not going to cease being married. This isn't going to lead to divorce, but it needs to be dealt with for the relationship to be healthy um, for us to interact in a way that's healthy again.
0: Yeah. When, so for when I walk through repentance, the, how I do it is so I I hear from without sometimes from within, but we'll go from without since that's what we're talking about right now from um, here from without here's a problem. Here's something you did, and if it was wrong, it was sin, the first thing that I do now is pray, Lord, is there any truth to that? If the Holy Spirit convicts me in that moment, sometimes I don't even have to ask that question because I know immediately, oh yeah, this is. I don't always, but sometimes I do. When when I know that it was sin, then what I try to do, I don't want to say I'm perfect at this for sure, but, but my, what I try to do is I try to, in that moment, immediately confess my sin to the Lord, ask for His forgiveness, ask for Him to give me that right spirit within me, like David prays for in the Psalms, so that I come to the person with the right spirit. Because with the Lord, I mean, I can go back and forth and wrestle with Him and not damage that relationship because ultimately I'm going to bend my knee. Right. Ultimately, I'm going to be right with Him. However, that person, I could do permanent serious damage if I'm not wise about how I go about this. So I ask the Lord, to, as I repent to the Lord, to give me that right spirit to show me how to best proceed, because sometimes it's going to be bending over backwards, apologetic. Sometimes it's going to be just acknowledging my sin and moving forward. And if I do address it with that person, it's just going to make it work. You know, it's just, it's not going to be healthy. Um, And sometimes there's something in between that Mm -hmm. I need do need to just acknowledge. Yeah, you're right. Thanks for letting me know about that. Um, I corrected that and move on. So I, I want to do that rightly. So I pray, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I blew it here. Give me the right spirit. And then I trust as I go forward to go talk to that particular person that I will have that right spirit going forward and that that reconciliation would happen. That isn't always the case. There have been plenty of times where I've gone to people. I remember one guy in particular where I I did, I, I don't think I did the things wrong he said I did, but I took it as, okay, maybe I honestly did. and I apologized in every way and even went and washed his feet <laughs> to try to, you know, exhibit, hey, I am, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to restore this relationship and it never happened. and we're we, we've never had our relationship restored. Now my conscience is clear before the Lord because I've repented, meaning that I've turned the other way, I've asked him for forgiveness, and I've gone to that brother as often as I could to try to reconcile and it never happened. So I have to, in that case, trust him to the Lord. But that's the extreme example. Most of these instances when we're convicted, what we need to do is is see, oh yeah, here's where I sinned. acknowledge it and go way out of our way to try to make peace and to try to reconcile. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> I think uh, in regard to how it affects our brother and sister, it's a lot of considering them more important than ourselves.
0: Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And when you have that attitude, you're going and genuinely believe it. You're, you're going to be willing to repent of things that maybe if they had treated you that way, you wouldn't have even cared.
0: Right. Just blown it off. Yeah.
1: But in considering them more important than yourself, then your idea of what's okay and what's not isn't the standard. Yeah. Um, that's
0: so wise, dude. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. I no. just want to say that's like... You can interrupt me to that's, call me wise anytime that's okay. you want. <laughs> no, that's good. That's, that's a good point.
1: No, it, it's, just, it's just the easiest way to keep your ego in check. It's the easiest way to keep what you... Consider to be right or wrong, what you consider to be okay, not okay, what you consider to be rude or courteous or whatever else, out of consideration. Um, Obviously, above all else, we want to be obedient to our Father in heaven, but we also want to, like I said, treat our brothers and sisters as more important than ourselves. And if that's our aim and our goal, then they're going to be the ones who point us in the right direction when we've missed the mark in that regard.
0: Do you, do you find that that's hard to do for you to think of other people better than yourselves? Cause it seems to me that that's not our natural mode of operation.
1: So think or act are two different things. No, I get that. Uh, Do, is it hard for me to think of other people as more important than myself? No.
0: But won't your actions reflect what your thought really is? Uh,
1: that's a that's tough. That's hard, right? That's tough. Because yeah, I'm not even sure b- I. Because at that. no point would I ever say anything other than no. I do consider them more important than myself. But obviously,
0: oh, see, I would. I do think I'm way better than some people, and I'm I'm an arrogant jerk for it. But sometimes that comes across. Yeah,
1: I mean, I don't. I don't think I'm the least important person on the planet. I would never say that. That's me. Right. So, so of course, like, I, I would be the same as you at times, but, you know, I don't mm. know. Like, I just... I have those days where, I mean, we were just talking, and I'm, I'm telling you about some things that are on my mind, and I tell you, oh, I know I'm not unique in these ways, but... I feel like some of these things are really hard for me to deal with. And in that sense, I kind of was saying like, my problems are more important than some people's because they're unique.
0: More important than mine. Cause you're telling, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not being a jerk there. But in that moment, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. In that moment, you're telling me your problems and whatever I would say right there in that moment, all I would be doing is saying, oh yeah, well, Trying to and, and trying, it would come across as one upping it would come across as well your problems aren't as bad as mine well you got it good you know the the you see what i mean yeah so uh, yeah i wasn't trying to be snarky there no i i get um, it um so so i i think that that it's it's we say we want to think of ourselves better and that is exactly the right thing to say and it's so rich of a mindset to have it's so helpful in so many ways even for you guys who listen to this who aren't christians if you really go and try to think of other people as better than you, it's going to take you far. And I'd love for you to come further and know Christ as your Lord and Savior too. But, but that is a good lesson to learn, and it's a hard lesson. And I think that's why we're having this yeah. this right now. It's like, you know, there's some areas where it's just downright hard to, to do that.
1: Well, I'll tell you, I, I think it's so important when I got to do that wedding a few weeks ago. Yeah, I, I, why? I, I wrote it into the ceremony, about, that
0: you screwed up. No, <laughs> Wait, I want to hear that, this ceremony. That, <laughs> that I,
1: I was talking about the groom, and I was saying nice things about the bride, and then saying nice things about the groom, and things that I saw that would make them, you know, a good wife or a good husband. Mm-hmm. And when it came to the groom, I told him that I've seen him consider other people more important than himself. Oh, and that was one of the best compliments that I could think to give him. Because mm-hmm. I mean, like we're talking about, it's not, it's not easy. It is to do. right, right. It's, it's, it's not, not easy to do. But so. Yes, on the one hand, I would definitely think that I would say um, that other people's problems maybe aren't as important as mine sometimes, but then there are other times when, and I feel like I felt both of these things today, where I think to myself, and I'm not asking for pity, please don't, don't treat me that way, but I think to myself, like, how how is anybody my friend?
0: Okay. Here's the thing. I think we need to do. You're, I'm not. I'm right with you. Yeah. I'm going to come back around to that. I think what we need to do. So you were telling me things that you were struggling with right there. So in that moment, those were the most important problems in my life. Mm-hmm. To listen to you, to hear you talk those things through, that was the most important thing for me. If if I believe that about you, I'm really going to treat you that way, and I'm going to stop, and I'm going to listen. And I'm not going to treat it lightly or cavalierly. And then I'm not going to try to give you a fix-it response. I'm going to listen. And I'm going to take what you're saying to heart. Whereas you're going to know if I'm not treating you like that. So to, to bring it back around, mm-hmm. you know, what I think we want to do is with the people who we do have relationship with, we want to aggressively, I, I want to say positively, look for ways that we can actively treat them better than we think that we are. So what I mean by that is that we're going to look for those areas and ways proactively. So for my wife, for example, there's times where I just go buy her flowers. And there are going to be times where I go and she loves a certain kind of particular thing and I'm just going to go get it for her. She likes a particular show. I'm just going to come home and say, hey, let's sit and watch this. Yeah, I'm going to proactively treat her better than I think of myself because I would rather do other things. I'd rather not, you know, maybe in that moment, spend my money on flowers. But in the reality is if I really do believe that about my wife or about you or about Rachel or Zoe or, or anybody in my life, I want to proactively look for those ways. And I think what it does is it lessens the blow in those times where I do need to repent. And I do need to eat crow. I I do need to confess my sin because I've already actively acknowledged in practical ways. This is how I really do see you and treat you.
1: Right. Because you've taken steps to convey significance. Yeah. And so much of the time, it's not just the way that we make that reconciliation. It being out of whack is what caused the problem in the first
0: place. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So when, when we come back to grace, right, that's the thing we're always going to come back to Yes, is that, that what we want to do is we, I've just talked about practical things, but let me talk about a spiritual and emotional thing as we close that we want to proactively also extend grace. We might not owe it to the people to give them grace in the sense that, you know, they've earned it, which it wouldn't be grace if they had. So we want to go out of our way to show grace to other people and show them the, that we believe the best about them because inevitably it's going to come back around to us. Now, we don't do it for those selfish reasons, but we do know that we're all people and we all have the same passions. We all have the same you know, emotional makeup and the way we think and do things. And so if I'm regularly treating you, Brian, with grace, when I screw up, you're going to treat me with grace. Not that I should expect it from you or demand it from you, because then, again, it wouldn't be grace. But if we're treating each other like that, the relationship is going to be so much more healthy and vibrant than if it were, oh, you owe me, O-I-O-U.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Do we have a question for today?
0: I got questions over there. I don't have one off the top of my head.
1: Let's think of one. Uh, Oh, yeah. I got one. Oh, oh,
0: go ahead. You go. You were excited, more excited than I was.
1: Okay. So.
0: I'm going to drink a beer while you do that. (laughs) Not a whole beer. (laughs) (laughs) How long do you think this question is? (laughs) I'm just going to beer bong one real quick. (laughs) Okay.
1: What is a practical way that somebody can get on your good side when they've messed up.
0: That's exactly what I was going to... Although your words were more better than mine would have been.
1: Well, it usually takes us like four <laughs> tries to get it right anyway. So what is a practical that's, way...
0: That's exactly what I was thinking.
1: For somebody to get on your good side when they've messed up. Yeah. And honestly, from the bottom... What,
0: what's yours? Real quick. Oh. I don't mean to interrupt you again, but what, what's yours? <laughs>
1: so I, I I can't think of a time when people have done this when they've screwed up, but... When people try to like give me money for like doing work for them or whatever, mm-hmm. I always tell them like, no, just buy me a burrito.
0: <laughs> oh, so buying you burrito? Yeah. Oh, that's a good favor. Yeah. All right.
1: Which you did last time we recorded. Yeah, you but that me didn't have anything
0: to do. That's just I love you.
1: It does. I know. Yeah. But, dude, I don't know if you saw the look on my face. You could have <laughs> asked me for anything, and I would have said yes. Yeah. Well, you bought me my to. favorite. Burrito. I
0: love you I love you, dude. I, I love, love you dude. so much. I will buy you burritos. As long as I got cash in my pocket, (laughs) I'll buy you burritos all day long. Um, For me, if you you wanted to get on my goods, you know, hey, you know what? If if we're out somewhere and you buy me a beer, that'll be great. I'll sit and talk with you all day long and treat my kids good. Yeah. Treat my wife good. Those are things, you know. Anyways, listener.
1: Yeah. So from the bottom of our hearts... Honestly, thank you for listening to a couple of chuckleheads who say dumb stuff all the time. Um, yeah, we we do it because we love you, um, and we do it because we believe that every single one of you belong.